0: Oh, yeah! Bring it on! Yo, 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 everybody! It is me, Heath Armstrong, and this is The Archapreneur Now, episode 49. So all you ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you better get out your rock and roll clothes, put on those rock and roll undies, Zip up those rock and roll pants because my guest today is Jamie Skinner and he is from a band called Fuss out of London and they're bringing back the punk, bringing back the extreme rock and roll the way that I remember it when I was a kid. Uh, The voice sounds so much like Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day, although they have their own style. Uh, These kids are doing some amazing things. They're giving their current EP out for free on their website, Fussband.com. Here is a little preview for all you stiggity, stankity, rinkity, dinkity listeners out there who want to get a little rock and roll to start their day off. Get your hands up. I'm fist pumping right now. It's amazing. It's, it's, it literally is putting a smile on my face. I hope you all got into that as much as I am. Uh, this interview is amazing. I want you to hold on tight. Uh, he, he's a cool dude. He knows his stuff. He, he's young and he's got so much ahead of him. So for all the show notes, it is artsynow.com forward slash 49 to connect on Twitter At HB underscore Armstrong, and here we go! Come on, everybody, let me hear that beat! Come on, come on, everybody, let me hear that stickity-stickity-reekity-deekity beat, yeah. Oh, yeah! Well, here we go now! Who wants to get a little bit funky out there?
1: Who wants to get a little creative out there, huh?
0: Yeah, which one of you wants to get a little bit artsy now? Well, I do. I do. Well, get on with your bad selves. Yeah. A skidam a riggity ding, a skidam a riggity doo. Our guest today is bringing out the punk in me and you. He's slaying the guitar for a band called Foss. And they're bringing the energy back to the punk rock world. The sparks started in the UK, but they've got much, much bigger plans. So turn up those speakers, everybody, and pull down your pants, because <laughs> it's time to get sticky, stinky, rickety, dingy, funky. Everybody, give it up for Jamie Skinner. Jamie, you are the <laughs> you are the entrepreneur now. What's going on?
1: I'm good, man. How you doing?
0: Ah, man, just full energy. Like to, yeah, it sounded like it, man. Pump up the scene, man. So, yeah, J- Jamie, he plays guitar, and I think you do backup vocals or some sort of vocals. I do,
1: I do the lead vocals on the whole, but yeah, more often we're just sort of starting to interchange them more between me and Joe, the bass player.
0: Yeah, I saw some interchanging there. I didn't know who was the lead vocalist. Cool. So you, you, you have a voice that sounds very much like Billy Joe Armstrong, which is awesome. And, and at times, I do get that hint of Blink One Eighty Two. So if anybody out there, you know, is in, is younger or up through about age 35 or something and remembers the blast of all that amazing punk that came through uh, back in the 90s and early 2000s. Man, Jamie and his band are bringing it back again. They're out of the UK, and it's awesome stuff. And you can go to fussband.com, and they've got some streams there. And they've got one album out already, which it came out in 2013, right?
1: Yeah, it was in December last year, and uh, that's actually before the whole band was together. So for about, you know, Two years ago, I came up with the band name Fuss, but I couldn't find any other members. So I ended up writing a load of songs where I was playing everything. So I was coming up with the drum patterns, I was coming up with the bass and, you know, the guitar and the vocals. And then I'd just go up to my bedroom and just record it all in my room. So behind closed doors was just me playing everything. And then after I released that, I then managed to find Charlie for the drums and Joe for the bass. And then we've just been a three-piece ever since.
0: (laughs) That's awesome, man, to, to be on the forefront like that. You know, that's what Jack White used to do. He just Yeah he didn't even have any furniture in his room. He dragged it all into a subway <laughs> and filled his room with every instrument there was. Exactly. So so pretty cool and and I'm pumped to have you on, man. So
1: Well thanks a lot for having me on, man. It means a lot.
0: We're gonna have a little roller coaster of a ride here. <laughs> but first, yeah, tell tell me a little bit about yourself. I know you mentioned that you kind of put this together before you compiled the band, but uh, did you always want to be a musician as a kid uh, and how did you obviously you've probably played in some sort of bands growing up uh, possibly maybe not to to get you to this point but kind of kind of what what drove you to to get to where you are right now with with this band and and uh, how much you're in with this i mean it's an awesome thing so i want to hear all about it
1: Well i remember when i was sort of like i don't know maybe 8 or 9 or something about 10 years ago and I'm out right at a mate's house, and he just puts on his PA system. He just puts on American Idiot, the album by Green Day. And I was just sitting there and suddenly thinking, like, this is better than the sort of stuff I've heard on the radio already or stuff that I heard on MTV or whatever. And then I started to suddenly get more interest in sort of pop punk and you know punk and rock in general, I guess. So about 10 years ago is when it started, and then ever since then I've just sort of been... You know, I picked up the guitar, I started teaching myself how to play, and then built it all up from there. So I played in a band when I turned 13, and that went for a couple of years. But then about two or three years ago, we broke that up, and uh, that's when Fuss started. So it's really just been discovering, you know, loud guitar music that's really set me going from the start. (laughs)
0: 13. So when did you start playing the guitar?
1: When I was 12,
0: I think. Jeez, that's a quick transition. (laughs) Yeah. Say I couldn't, I mean, even a couple years into playing the guitar, I was still trying to figure out how to make it sound right when when singing at the same time. (laughs) It's so hard to do.
1: Yeah, to be honest, man, like I might have been writing songs when I was 13, but whether they were any good or not is a different story.
0: Yeah, but all of them (laughs) led to where you are now, right? Yeah, I guess, man. Yeah. You got to take the experience for what it is. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, American Idiot's obviously a great album and they don't play they don't play good stuff on the radio anymore man there was a time where they used to play the hell out of that on the radio here but now it I mean it's just awful the stuff you get it's it's mostly like pop rap and pop country here I mean if you're in like if you're in Southern
1: California then you can listen to K-Rock and that plays some good stuff but you know other than that I think radio nowadays has come very sort of saturated with pop music I mean Although I do think it's changing. I mean, out here in in the UK at the moment, Radio 1, which is like the big radio station in the UK, they just got a, uh, a brand new rock show, which is actually on like a decent time now. So I think, you know, it's starting to change more towards guitars and rock. And I, I you know, I think it's perfect that that's happening.
0: Yeah. And you have this huge underground world of music and, and obviously these uh, services like Spotify, whether the artist is... Get compensated by that or not? And SoundCloud <laughs> mm-hmm. and and things like that that help spread uh, kind of the underground punk music and and things that are similar to other audiences and obviously word of mouth is a big one too. Yeah, for sure. But there are a lot of places like where I live where you can't get anything but just straight country music because I'm in Kentucky. But I did used to live in Southern California in, in K-rock, and in it, K Rock and it is awesome out there. They do play great music. So
1: yeah. I remember the first, the first time I went to LA, I was with my parents and we just, we got in our car and turned on the radio. It was already tuned to K-Rock and suddenly like they're just playing Damn It on the radio by Blink. And I'm just like, wow, this could not have been a better like send off to like, arrive in the States and just hear that.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the, with the movement of satellite radio now, you, if you're willing to pay a little bit, you can get that all the time. But maybe right. they play Dysentery Gary. <laughs> i don't think i heard I think that to be honest bit, no <laughs> maybe a little bit violent for that for maybe violent. a little little bit yeah, maybe <laughs> well cool man uh, so who who are you some of your favorite creative influences uh, obviously you have a lot of green day and, and blink in, in the type of music and if anyone listens i mean i i seriously encourage you to do so but, but who else who, who else did you grow up listening to that have kind of led you to, you to where you are well it's weird you know
1: i mean as I said, like a lot of it started when I found Green Day and I just sort of stemmed off bands like that. So I found Green Day and then I went Blink then Sum 41. So you've got all of those influences. But then a lot more recently, I discovered bands like Biffy Clyro and Twin Atlantic, who are both Scottish bands. Mm-hmm. And you know they're both a lot more rocky than I'd say punk. So I was able to listen to them and start maybe... Thinking, all right. So you can actually make a catchy little riff on the guitar, and that can be what makes a song, right? Yeah. So you know, before when I was starting to write songs, it was literally just like two and a half minutes of power chords, and you know, you you listen to our to to sympathy, our new song or whatever, and you know, you 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 know, it starts off with guitar riffs and like drum solos and stuff. So I think the development of hearing other influences like that has really helped. And I've really I've really started to start. And, you know diversify the stuff that I listen to so I listen to quite a bit of indie music at some, at some points and then you know a lot of just plain old rock like I'm sure you've heard of the band Royal Blood yes. you know yeah they are you know they're just from down the road in Brighton and they are huge like they they are literally a bassist and a drummer and you couldn't get more plain and simple and it's hearing stuff like that and hearing the potential of what you can do whilst being so simplistic you know that's just it's really inspired me to try and you know do the sim- do a similar thing you know
0: absolutely and th- there's a guy out here who's who kind of is the same way his name is Rainwolf and I know he tours the world now right uh, but I discovered him at a festival last uh, i guess it was July and this guy was like if you go see him but you have to see Rainwolf and I'm <laughs> like okay well you know all these other people are playing he's like no be there. Like, all right. So I go over and he, he's kind of the opposite. Like, you know, you were saying you compiled this album uh, before you got your band together. And, and well, you wrote a lot of songs and created a bunch of music. And this guy actually had a band and then he fired his band members. Cause he didn't think they were doing good enough. And right he was in. just playing all the instruments himself, like live. He was playing the drum with his, his feet and his right hand while shredding, like the most ridiculous Hendrix style guitar solos. And, and i like wow. never I had never seen anything like it before, like ripping strings off with his teeth. I don't know how many <laughs> guitars he broke, but the entire composition was like insane. Uh, so so it is pretty neat to see that happen. Yeah. But I, I know like crea- creating music is a painful road to success. And obviously you're still young and you've got a, a long road ahead of you and you've you've got a hell of a start. And what what's important, I think, is that you have to commit, you have to focus and you have to put everything you have into doing it because you love it. You know, even if it's just a side project, even if you do have a job and you go along that down the road, because that music will be kind of like your job and the other thing will just sort of be a money hustle, you know? Yeah. So like deep down, is this something that you think is going to be the core of your life? Is this something you plan on doing on the side or, you know, what, what does music really mean to you and how important is it? I think within the band, we've all come to the
1: you know the same opinion that this is what we actually want to do. As you know, like if you want to put it like this, as the primary source of income, I guess. Like it, we want to be able to be self sufficient as a band, so you know we can release an album and people buy it, and then yeah. we can go and tour, and you know we can we can become a band which you know it's is able to be itself, you know it, and you know we want to be we don't want to have. The band as a side project. We want to really, if we can, then we want to just focus on playing music. I mean, that's our love and that's our passion at the end of the day. So, you know, if we can, if we can make it, you know,
0: as a proper band full time, that is more than a dream. Oh, you can, and you definitely will. Thanks a lot, man. Speaking like that, I mean, that's how you have to do it. And I think a, a huge part of it is is network and getting you know that fan base built up. So obviously. You know, you've got a little bit of a following already, I'm sure. And so that when you can create these albums and and you can, you know, list your show dates, you know that there's a certain amount of trustworthy fans that are always going to buy and they're always going to be at your shows and supporting you. And and the goal would be to grow that audience. So, do you have, do you have you guys really thought about that? Have you got any habits or anything into place to kind of start sustaining streams of revenue to support uh, this, this whole platform that you're working on? Well, to
1: be honest, we're trying to sort of buck the trend in a sense. I mean, we're actually going to be putting out we are putting out an EP on the 6th of October, and it's going to be completely free if you want to download it for free. And we're very much for the sort of idea of if you want to hear our music, for now, just have it. Have it. Have it. Just take it. You know? The more people that I think listen to it, the better. And then you know, we are doing merchandise so we're selling t-shirts and stuff and then concert tickets have to cost a bit of money because, you know, we don't own the venues but you know i think at at the moment i think it's great to put your music available for free and i think a lot more new bands are doing the same nowadays so what what we're finding at the moment is that we're just trying to come up with different ways to you know to try and you know get some sort of revenue without charging for the music and that's what's a bit that's what is just difficult but that's just life really
0: yeah but i think i think the community is more way more important than what you're going to get back from people purchasing your song. So obviously uh, the giveaway technique is huge because it works in so many different aspects. I mean, you jab, 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 and then right hook, you know, yeah, uh, give, 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 and then it'll all come back to you. And it's something that I really put as a core in my life too. So I think if you keep doing that, you're going to build an audience that's extremely trustworthy and, and totally supports you. And it's just going to be, it's going to be all roses from there, man. Exactly. I mean,
1: think about when Radio when Radiohead released In Rainbows. I mean, you could download that for free or you could just decide whatever you wanted. And that album was, you know, it was a success for them. So I think there's definitely potential in, you know, in, in giving stuff away like that. And It means, you know, you can definitely grow as sort of like, you can get proper good fans like that. You don't sort of, you're not sort of preaching to your friends who are already friends who will buy it because they know you you're actually able to expand your fan base, which I think is the most important thing in music.
0: Yeah, man. Absolutely. So cool. I think Tom's his newest one, he put out on a torrent, which is kind of, yeah, horrible, I read so. that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was like six bucks or something though. If you wanted to right. download it, uh, but you all need to press some vinyl soon, man. <laughs> yeah. Soon enough, right? Yeah, maybe one day. I mean, I've got a couple
1: of record players at home. It'd be ace to have some of our stuff on a turntable, but, uh, if, yeah, we just got to find somewhere to do it.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not really sure. I've never looked into how expensive it is to create those. I'm sure it's quite a bit, but are they coming, you know, are vinyls coming back like huge in a way out there like they are here in the United States? Yeah, there's a lot more
1: people buying vinyl at the moment. I think the people see it as more of like collector's item, I guess. So, you know, a brand new album can come out. Like the Royal Blood album came out in August and, you know, all the record stores well, the very few of them that are still around, but of the record stores that sold the vinyl, it sold out in like a couple of hours, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's such a big thing because, fine, it might be more expensive, but, you know, arguably the sound quality of it is more better because you get the sort of warmth of the PA and, you know, the 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 needle itself just provides this extra bit of, you know, depth to the track. So I think it, it might be coming back.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I love collecting them. I think it's very cool to have that, huge vinyl in your hand and it is a pain in the ass though when you listen to it and then after three songs you have to kind of flip it. <laughs> yeah that's I'm not, true i'm not sure how they haven't figured out uh how to make a vinyl player that'll just play one side and then the other when it's like done. auto flip yeah <laughs> but on another note like i pulled out my cd case from from back in high school the other day because my ipod broke and it was a lot of fun going through that too. Like, yeah, I mean, all the, I found all these Strokes albums that I used to listen to all the time, which are amazing. And then I got into some of the old Pink Floyd albums right. uh, that I hadn't heard in a while. So it was a lot of fun. But so, you know, you, you started and now you got the second album coming out. You want to tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, the album's going to be coming out in January, we think, December or January, and uh, it's going to be called What The Fuss, and it's 12 tracks, and it's just, its you know, I think we finally, now that I'm able to be writing songs with two other people, it's a lot easier to sort of bounce ideas off people when you're writing music. I mean, we always get together. And we write the songs together. So I can come up with a little idea at home, or you know, Joe can or Charlie can come up with a drum beat. And then we bring it to band practice and we say, Okay, we've got this idea. Let's focus on that for a second. So, you know, I can play a little riff that I come up with, and then Joe says, Okay, great, we could go into a verse here, and then we build it from there. So I think the quality of the songs is just such a it's such an improvement from the last album. But at the same time, like it may have, like the music may have matured in how it sounds, but I think it's still got the youthful side to it. Like we're writing songs that are just fun, really, you know, fun to play, fun to sing. And it's just, they're not all
0: about serious topics, but we're
1: trying to keep a good range of everything, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of, in a, in a way, and you were introduced to me by uh, Rick Casman and listened to some of their old stuff. Uh, he had one song with the word bleed in it and I can't remember what it was called. Uh, but the punk, man, I just, I love the style bringing it out. So when you all create these songs, I'm sure you kind of go through this similar process that he was describing that they went through. And, yeah. and it's, it's kind of a interesting thing to go from, you know, when you start a song, you might start with something. And I bet sometimes it ends up sounding way different than it did when you started. Yeah, a lot of the time, man, like I can come up with uh, in my head when I write a riff or whatever
1: at home in my head, I'm already thinking sort of, yeah, this song could progress like this and then go in this direction and then change a bit here. You bring it to band practice and then, you know, 40 minutes later, it's the complete opposite to what you were originally thinking. But it's it's better because, you know, you've had the input of two other people. And, you know, like I'm so lucky to have, you know, the band members that I have because they're both extremely talented at what they do and you know we have very very similar sort of tastes of music and style so we're able to really bounce ideas and just really hone in the creativity i mean it's perfect really
0: yeah so you've got joe papworth and charlie southard
1: that's right yeah,
0: On, yeah. and how, how did you guys all meet up did you know that well before
1: yeah charlie and i went to school together so i left school last year and he's still doing it um so we know we know each other through that like they do like music competitions and stuff and he was you know the only half decent drummer in the school so you know I, I just sort of met up with him and we just started jamming a lot and then it went from there and then we've been so we've been searching for a bassist for a couple of months after I found Charlie and then Joe just added me on Facebook because we met through a mutual friend like once a couple of, a couple of months before but we never really, you know, like got talking. And then he sent me a message on Facebook and was just like, I, I saw your bands looking for a bass player. You know, if if you want me to come down to a band practice and we can just jam and see what happens, we can see what happens and take it from there. So he, he came down and it was, you know, perfect really from from the off.
0: <laughs> it's amazing how that stuff happens.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So which one are you is the wildest?
1: <laughs> Joe, definitely. <laughs> definitely. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he kind of looked it in his pictures.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You should, uh, if we ever make it to the states for a gig, you should come over and, uh, yeah, Joe, Joe puts on a hell of a show.
0: No, not not if you ever make it. When you make it, man.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, I uh, I'll definitely be there if you do. If you come, if it works out schedule wise, uh, but I'm sure that'd be kind of an expensive thing to do. You'd have to get some preparation. Do you all have any? any managing in place yet or are you working with anybody who's kind of been helping you out
1: uh, at the moment at the moment there's absolutely nothing we're doing it all ourselves but you know we are we're open for the future you know so if we get approached by the right people and you know we feel that it's the right situation then we're gonna have you know talks with them and fingers crossed they'll be for the best
0: absolutely <laughs> it'd be awesome man so you said your your ep is coming out october 6th is that right yeah yeah and which will be actually you know that's that's coming up rather quickly but by the time this episode releases it'll already be out so you guys can get out there and check it out and then you're going to release a, a full uh album with with 12 tracks right uh, yeah next next year
1: yeah I'll probably be late december or early january gotcha cool. yeah
0: so i want to hear about your first show like when you all got together and you and you played did you, you did you make the album and then play a show did you play a couple of live gigs first or or what really happened uh the first time you played together
1: The first time we ever played together was actually the launch gig for the album that I wrote myself So I I delayed the release of the album so that I could so that well as a band we could rehearse and get everything sounding really good And then you know, we we played our first gig and, you know, we weren't expecting it to be huge or anything, but it actually went really well. We ended up getting about 180 people in this venue, so it was absolutely packed. And it was, you know, one of the best shows we've ever played, I think. And it, everything just seemed to gel into place really, really quickly and really easily. And, you know, every gig that we've played since, you know, people have said to us, like, you compare it to that gig in December, and the amount you've improved is like crazy Mm -hmm. so you know we listen to that and we take everything on board so if someone has some sort of you know like constructive criticism or whatever then we say to them like well thank you very much for telling us that and then we go to band practice and we think okay so how can we actually improve that because you know when we're playing a gig you see it from one perspective and that's yours you know so you want to try and You want to try and make the show as best as you can for your fans. And if you don't have a manager or whatever, a tour manager, say, then, you know, you don't really have anyone to guide you other than your fans. And so that's what we try to do.
0: I mean, that's awesome. I think that's a huge point that you just made because even with music or or any other, you know, area that somebody might be working in or creating something amazing in, uh, constructive feedback is like the force that will take you from point A to point B. You know, it'll, it'll... drive you up that mountain so it is it is amazing that you're you're taking that from your fans and and working and building on it and i think it's something everybody needs to hear because we all have a tendency to think you know we're right the first time but like oh man if if i actually stuck with that every time i thought it you know i'd probably just be like naked homeless in a (laughs) ditch somewhere you know like eating a half moldy cheeseburger or something so yeah wow maybe not quite that bad but quite that. <laughs> but i'm sure some people have taken to that extreme right yeah yeah <laughs> so what, what kind of what kind of equipment are you using in particular what kind of guitar do you play
1: uh, i've got two guitars which i'm using you know at the most right now i've got a gibson les paul jr which is just like what billy joe plays yep. so it's the white one and i'm not gonna lie that's the reason i got it um <laughs> But like it's all scratched up now, so I think I've made it sort of my own. Like you know, I strum the thing so damn hard. There's like actual scratch marks in the paint. But uh, I'm also playing on a PRS Tremonti Special Edition, which is if I'm if I'm wanting like a, a a warmer tone or something with more depth, then I play on that, and that's sparkly silver, which just looks cool.
0: Yeah, if you got scratch marks in the paint, man, that just means you're rocking out like a man.
1: Exactly. Game. Yeah. It's like you don't punk. have
0: them, then you should be worried, right?
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly.
0: You're just lucky you haven't, you know, smashed one of those over something yet.
1: Well, actually, we played a gig in May, and it was just like such a good gig. Everything went perfectly, and I thought the best way to end it is just throw the guitar up in the air. So this is a, this is the PRS <laughs> guitar, and I only oh, no. ju- I'd only just got it fixed, like literally the couple days before, and so I literally I just throw it up in the air. and then walk off the stage and by the time it's landed like i have I have a friend of mine go on the stage just to grab it and there is this massive like chip and dent in the (laughs) neck and i'm like oh crap
0: yeah i'm a prs man
1: i know and yeah that was yeah that was not cheap to fix
0: i've often wondered you know when when people are on stage and they break all their equipment if afterwards they're like damn it <laughs> yeah. because i know I think people it, can do crazy things in the moment
1: but yeah i think it de- it depends on who you are i guess a lot of the times like you know like if you're in a band as big as green day or whatever you can get a new guitar like like that
0: oh i'm sure they have 10 of them back there just to get yeah, exactly yeah but,
1: but if, if you're jamie skinner from fuss you know then smashing a guitar might not be your best option
0: so you didn't plan it out though you just kind of felt like it was the right thing to do at the end when you threw it up
1: yeah pretty much it
0: was just it
1: was just like the pinnacle of the moment it was just like what can i do to make this the best show of our lives and for some reason you know my brain went throw the guitar in the air jamie and i was just like yeah let's do it and then regretted it the second i walked off
0: you know what's gonna happen if you keep doing stuff like that is you're gonna have a whole group of roadies following you around
1: (laughs) yeah oh i'm up for that man
0: (laughs) you'll get to a point where you'll be like no no more on the bus no more on the bus (laughs) So, well, cool. So you talked about how this is something that you all really are all in on, which is amazing. But what do you think as a band your all's long-term goal is? Is it to come over, tour the world, uh, opt- ultimately live you know, off creating music and, and things like that? Uh, do you have any other aspirations behind it or, or kind of in conjunction with it? Our big dream is literally, as he said, just to you know,
1: live off music. You know, We have aims. We want to be able to... But we, we, we want to like we have our aims and our you know our long term dreams, but at the same time we have our more realistic for the near future dreams. So you know we're from London and we're we're wanting to start touring the UK, and I think that's going to be the first step that we do. So once we do start, when, once we start to do gigs outside yeah. of London, we're going to look at that as an achievement. You know, the one of the biggest dreams that we have as a band is to you know play at the Reading and Leeds festivals, mm. and Because, you know, we've grown up on that festival. Well, I have anyway. I've been the last three years in a row. We went as a band this summer, actually, and we hung out there and had an awesome time. And then, you know, we'd love to, you know, expand it and take it to the States and, you know, maybe even do something on Warped or something, you know.
0: Yeah, I'd love to hit that festival up. How many people attend that? It's pretty giant, isn't it? It's a lot. I mean, it goes around the whole country. Oh, that's, that's, uh, do you, do you have an an estimated number by any chance for like what the one in in London? I have no idea. Yeah. I'm out here next to, I guess, Bonnaroo's right next to where I grew up and it's about 110, 120,000, but it's on a farm out there. Right. And I've always wanted to come out there to the UK and do it. So vice versa, either way, if you come here or I come there, I'm going to have to yeah. up and see a show and you know rick was telling me how how expensive it is to actually play in venues around there like there's just not a lot of places that you can go in and play music without costing a fortune yeah it's weird it's it's a shame like you know i hear stories from people like
1: rick or people that you know i I meet and they say you know go back two decades and you you walk into a bar and there would just be a, a live band playing rock music there and then but Nowadays, it's sort of like that. If you see that, then you know you're somewhere special because it's one of the few remaining places.
0: Yeah, so it's so crazy for me to think that way because here, I mean, it really is like that. Where you go on any given night, you can go see live music, especially if you're in, you know, Los Angeles or Nashville or or a town like that. I mean, literally, Nashville probably has. Well, I don't know. They probably have at least a hundred bars, but every single one of them, every single night, has somebody playing in it, which is crazy. Well, I mean, like
1: there are a lot of venues in 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 London, especially. I mean, don't get me wrong, there are a lot of them and a lot of great venues as well. But a lot of the time, you know, you you just don't know about the gigs for some reason. So unless you like make an actual as a, like an individual, like a music listener. They have to make the effort to go onto, you know, the venue's website or their Facebook or whatever to see what's actually on. Because nowadays, you just you don't get the promo for shows anymore as you used to.
0: Yeah, I, I hear that, man. It's it's a little bit more difficult. Uh, I I think that there's opportunity with technology and and everybody being able to create these you know mobile apps and these new website services. But we'll see how it goes. Yeah, you know, obviously you all use Bandcamp and some things like that, but there mm-hmm. there really hasn't been a great app that is like, hey, this is what's going on tonight. Hit this one button, you'll have a ticket, you know, hit this other button, you can share it with your friends. And I think that there's there's an app called Tinder. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's like a dating, yeah, okay. Yeah. So if they had that for music, like literally if if you were looking at it and it popped up all this you know who's playing in the area that night. You could hit one button and play a clip of their music, see if you like it or not. Swipe to the right; it'll add into your calendar for that night, and then you can hit a button and buy a ticket. You know something that easy? Because a lot of people will look and see the name of a band playing, but they don't know who it is, and they're not exactly they're not going to exactly. go on YouTube and look it up. You know? Yeah.
1: I think you've just come up with uh, your next business idea, man.
0: Oh, I've yeah. I've thought about it, and I've actually t- <laughs> I talked to one of my first guests, Booty Vogt. He owns. Uh, heroic label up there in holland mm-hmm. and I, I i drove that by him and he kind of said the same thing and i'm working on a different app right now trying to get it out but man that that one is next on the list for me i hope maybe it can work out and i'm willing Definitely. to share with anybody out there that wants to make it as well because i just want to use it to be honest
1: yeah i think i want to jump on that already man it sounds awesome
0: yeah it'd be, it'd be pretty cool so yeah uh, if if you could spend a little bit of time creating something with anybody from the past or the present, it can be a musician, it can be an artist, it can be, you know, a hero, whoever you want. Uh, who do you think you would choose and and what would you create?
1: There are so many people that I would jump to. I mean, you know, straight away, you sort of think Joe Strummer, the clash. Yeah. You know, that would be, you know, just insane or, you know, like the Ramones or someone like that, you know, just going back to sort of, you know, from where I see it, like I know a lot of people see it differently, but for me, that's sort of like the some of the punk roots. So oh, absolutely, I mean, that would that would be the dream, and just to be able to, you know, write a song or you know, play a gig with, you know, any of them would just be absolutely insane.
0: And the Ramones are something else. I think that they started a revolution for sure.
1: Definitely, I mean. Without the Ramones, there wouldn't be anything like you know the pop punk wave that happened in the early 2000s or anything that, that just wouldn't have happened
0: no, absolutely that's where all their influence was so exactly it's it's funny how everything triggers the next genre you know what definitely i
1: mean, you know, I mean they, they they, they were everything. pioneering for the for the genre really
0: oh yeah absolutely yeah well, what do you think uh, I know you all are young and and you just kind of started out this this album which means you have all this time ahead of you which is amazing uh, but have you learned anything so far like do you have a lesson that you've learned that you think would be the most important thing uh, so far or have you ever failed somewhere I mean I know that a lot of successes are built on the back of failures uh, so, uh, in in my life, I I learn things all the time based on things that I screw up or things <laughs> that I go wrong. But what, what what do you think the most important thing you've learned so far is? To be honest, I I think when I was doing when I was when
1: I was in that period between being in my first band and having you know the three of us in fuss, I sort of got into this state where I was writing stuff and I was I was writing it for the sake of just having songs. So you sort of. You know, I sort of lost the passion for it a tiny bit because I, you know, I'd I'd been constantly searching for you know a drummer and a bassist for month after month, and then I just wasn't getting anywhere. So I I was writing these songs, which I'll, you know, openly say just weren't very good. And you know, I would have released them if I didn't have, you know, some sort of something just came over me when I found Charlie, you know, and we listened to some of the stuff together, and he was just like, "I don't like this song. It's it's just not very good." So, I think, you know, that's if I was to give anything a failure, it would probably be allowing myself to fall into that sort of dip where, you know, I was writing stuff for the sake of, you know, having a portfolio of songs, not writing, not writing songs for, you know, like what I truly was thinking at the time or anything like that, you know. But, you know, one of the most important lessons that I think I've learned whilst being, you know, in band as in fuss as it is now is uh you've just got to have fun you know like being in a band compared to some other jobs really is not a chore like you know we get to go to band practice and we just have fun for six seven hours you know we we stand and sing and play guitar and that that's essentially what we want to do for life so there's not really any need to complain so just having fun is the best way to get about it i think
0: yeah, and I think you hit on a huge point there is producing things just to produce them and without the yeah. passion behind it can be a huge mistake. One of the biggest mistakes anybody can make. Uh, so all of us have kind of gone through that. If you're any type of creator, sometimes you, you feel like you have to push, 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 but it's all about, you know, putting out what is actually a good quality product or composition or musical piece and I've done some music with some buddies and, and done the exact same thing, man. And it's like, you can, you can, you 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 might need somebody else to listen through it and say, Hey, you know, there's no passion here. Like this, yeah. this just doesn't have you in it. And then you're like, Oh, you, you know, you're, you're right. But that kind of lights the fire under you to, to get back into what you were doing originally. And exactly. These things that we love. So, well, Jamie, if you had to battle that big, ugly bastard Godzilla, how would you use your creativity or talents or broken PRS to <laughs> annihilate that bastard?
1: I think what i do is I'd take the broken PRS, right? And I would somehow make it so like laser beams could shoot out of where the crack in the neck was. <laughs> and so whenever I strum a chord, it just shoots lasers and then hits Godzilla right in the ass.
0: <laughs> right in the ass, man. Yeah,
1: and then we're just sorted for life, then.
0: And then maybe you can put a pair of headphones on him and play a little fuzz. And he'll, <laughs> yeah. he'll quit crying, and he'll just be your biggest fan and mascot and manager.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like the sound of that, man. <laughs>
0: <Maybe> <laughs> be optimistic, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, cool. Do you have any closing advice that you think you can give our listeners out there that are probably uh, thinking about starting a band or following their passion, playing a little music? Uh, before we say goodbye. If music is what you do, the one thing that I've really learned is you've just got to, you just got
1: to, you got to do it for yourself. If people start giving you a hard time for, you know, being creative, you just got to ignore it. You got to keep on going. I mean, I've had plenty of that, and you just got to, just got to power through. Use it as inspiration to carry on.
0: Absolutely, and I think that that is a huge, huge point, man. And, and I really appreciate you being on today. It has been a blast. I love talking punk. It takes me back to my roots. Uh, it gets me excited. Now I think I'm just going to have to bust out some Intimum of the State or, uh, you know, Dookie or, or something as I drive around the rest of my day and, and yeah, think man. about it. So <laughs> I really appreciate you getting me back in touch with the roots there. And and w- what way can our listeners get in contact with you, uh, you know, your website, are you on the social medias, obviously, and where can they get a hold of some of these amazing tunes to blast and break mirrors with and, and start <laughs> causing ruckus around the states and wherever else they may be listening? you can uh, find
1: our stuff everywhere really we're on fussband.com we're on youtube.com slash fussband facebook.com slash fussband everything.com slash fussband pretty much and uh, yeah just chuck us an email if you guys want to say hi or anything and we'll reply pretty quickly and we can just you know start building a fan to band relationship
0: (laughs) absolutely I like the way you said it man and so everybody get out there do a little boogie woogie do a little jive put your headphones on turn your speakers up uh, blast some music because music really does make the world turn in my opinion and if you don't listen to music you're boring and and i think you should uh probably figure out a way to change your lifestyle but no offense to <laughs> anybody who does it but
1: uh <laughs> all offense intended
0: yeah so, again, Jamie, thanks so much for being the Newer Now. And always remember to keep it funky.
1: Thanks so much for having me on the show, man.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of The Newer Now. For all the show notes, it's artsynow.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, email me at create at artsynow.com or on Twitter at HB underscore Armstrong. The music? Well, that's shaky feeling. Check them out. Ventura, California. Ta-ta! Keep it funky.